What's up, everybody? Armand here, back with another episode. Today's guest, we have Alex Rossman, and this was an awesome one. He's the founder of Rossman Media. They're a digital marketing agency who's done work with companies like Nike, Airbnb, Orange Theory, and the San Diego Chargers, some pretty big people out there. Uh, we talk about how to get big customers like that. His very first, you know, really large client he landed was the San Diego Chargers. And he used to walk into their office every single day. Um, who knows how long it took them to get this deal. And they finally just took a meeting with him. All, all like sounded begrudgingly, but it ended up working really well. So we talk about that whole story. Um, as a digital marketer, he does a whole bunch of things on TikTok, uh, Meta's digital advertising platforms. And we, we talk about the different platforms to use. So whether it's TikTok, uh, YouTube, Google ads, uh, Facebook, Insta ads, wherever it may be, we talk a couple bit about tactics and where to put your stuff. Uh, and then he also really likes writing music. He was a songwriter in LA before starting his own business. Uh, we had a really awesome conversation. Be sure to stick around because we even talk about his pet pig. He has a pet pig, a rescue pig, if you will. Um, yeah, <laughs> this was one of the better episodes. I really like this guy. Hope you enjoy and thanks for listening to this episode of the Play Hard Podcast. Work hard, play hard, work hard, play For the band to do, so it's, hard, uh, it's fun, hard, it's nerve-wracking, hard, fun, play hard. so I'll, we'll, we'll get into that, but um, yeah, with that, start, start it off, how's it going, Alex? Going good, staying busy, keeping things open, so. And wearing great good. shirts. Thanks, man. So you're the founder of Rossman Media, it's a tailored digital marketing firm, am I getting that correct? You are. Yeah, we're a socially led digital marketing firm. So we focus on social media as really our, our core competency. Okay. And how did you get into this space? Because just seeing the customers you guys work with and what you're doing, I imagine you've, you've managed to grow to a pretty decent size, but it's like kind of difficult for agencies and stuff to do that in the first place. So like, how did you get to where you are now? A lot of persistence. <laughs> I think really the most successful entrepreneurs are ones that just don't stop. Um, you know, when I started the company, I was living in San Diego, didn't have any money in my bank account, really just was all grit and getting out there and trying to make a name for myself and you know, really bootstrapped it from the beginning. We'd bring on a client, then hire somebody, bring on another client, hire somebody and just truly grew it from a place of, you know, very grassroots, I'm knocking on doors, you know, I'm pounding the pavement, if if you will, from a sales angle. I, anybody listening that's in sales will probably know that term. Yeah, but yeah, you know, and and I just think that you you hit different inflection points along the way that challenge you, and you know, can almost push you to your limit of either you decide, hey, am I going to keep going with this, or am I going to kind of throw in the towel and and start something else. But that decision to keep going, frankly, it sounds so simple, but that's what's gotten us to where we are. Yeah. And, you know, it's just been a lot of exciting moments, bringing in some great talent, some great clients. So it, it keeps me enthused for what's to come. And a lot of times for people, like they can be very aware that persistence and keep going is, is a lot. It really is a lot of the sauce of entrepreneurship. And I've seen some great companies come from that. But um, a lot of times people necessarily don't have the right, um, I guess, 
reason for why they keep going and that's what stops them like what is some of your inspiration and like what drives you to keep going forward with this what drives me is people um, i'm a people person at, at the core so i'm very empathetic in terms of my leadership style um, so i love helping people right my mission in starting this company really was to help as many businesses as we can hire as many people as we can the goal is truly just to help as many people and truly be of service, right? We're in the professional services space, right? So yeah, so important that we we give and we, you know, deliver time and time again. So I think what gets me excited each and every day is seeing these businesses that we started with really from ground zero and yeah. building them to a place of like, man, they are true enterprise level, re reached a whole new level, you know, in terms of you know, uh, their growth. And it's exciting to see that trajectory and, and knowing that you are a part of that. So it's kind of like sharing success and like helping others get to that level in um, like from what your area of expertise is. Yeah, I just love having conversations with entrepreneurs, understanding what keeps them up at night and how we can help. Every entrepreneur has very specific goals and objectives. Sometimes yeah. they don't really know what it is until you pull it out of them. So I just personally love having those conversations. I know our team does too, of just like, you know, what really is your goal with this company? What do you want to achieve? Um, whether it's as simple as, hey, these are our revenue goals we want to hit. Yeah. Or what does it mean for my lifestyle? Do I want to get out of the day-to-day, -day, focus on, you know, things that really keep me excited about the business? So having conversations that span the gamut and really understanding like what keeps somebody up at night? How can we help? And then activating on that and truly seeing that come to fruition. I think one of the biggest differentiation of a successful entrepreneur, one that's not, is taking an idea and putting it into action, right? Yeah. And I think yeah. that's where yeah. we really thrive is creating that idea and then putting it into action. Yeah. I tell people all the time, like, you can steal my ideas because <laughs> it's like you can do it. Like the hard part really is doing it, you know, like yes. it's. I don't know. That was that was a whole other topic of conversation I had recently with a friend. But you and me both, Alex, love talking to especially entrepreneurs, seeing how they tick. I mean, that's kind of why I have this podcast in the first place. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a great way I get to meet new, very interesting, very exciting people. Put it out like pretty much every week, so it's it's super awesome. Um, I'm I'm curious, like, what are the common traits among like the types of entrepreneurs where the digital marketing you do, it just clicks. Like I'm sure you've had experiences where sometimes they just get it or like they have these moments. Um, what kind of like needs to happen in order for someone to really like, not, not exactly click with you, but like to, for your process to mesh well with theirs. Great question. Well, I'm in the marketing industry. So I think what we see in clients particularly ones that stick around, see the value in marketing and social media, right? Mm -hmm. They're willing to invest in this because they know it is a channel that's going to have so much upside, right? Especially if you do it right. I think the entrepreneurs that look at, at marketing almost as a, you know, they don't like to focus on it. They see yeah. it as, a, as just an extra expense. Those type of entrepreneurs really never break through that ceiling. So the people really that just understand the old saying of you need to spend money to make money, I think is are typically clients that click. 
Um, and ultimately, you know, they're the ones that continue to reinvest back into the business and and wanting to see it continue to grow. So those are the those are the clients that are exciting for us because we feel like we're starting out on the same page, same vision, and just yeah. we're there as a catalyst to get them to that next level. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I I totally agree with the spend money to make there there are bootstrap things you can do for sure, but there. I, and I've seen it with a lot of people that I've worked with. It's like you get to a certain point where if you want to break this plateau or break through this certain like kind of seemingly same area of growth, you really have yep. to kind of invest in that marketing. You do. And I think if you if you don't, you're you're in a tough and very volatile space. I think people don't talk about that. It's like if you're not growing, you're dying. I mean, that's yeah. in business. That's the truth. I mean, if you don't have the leverage of growth, then you're stagnant. And first of all, no one's going to want to invest. Clients are rarely going to want to work with you if you're not out there and you're present. Um, yeah, that's how you attract new customers. That's how you you build brand awareness. That's how you really build a legacy brand yeah. is getting out there just like you're doing. I mean, having conversations, building content, it's just so important, especially in this fast-paced world we're in where content is flowing, you know, uh, like red wine in Italy. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, that's man, very true. it's a, you just have to always be ahead. You've always, you've got to be creating content. I'm a huge believer that video and podcasting like this is, is really where you need to be spending your time. I agree. And you know, one thing, this is like a mini tangent. One thing that I realized about content always being out there. Um, I used to be like really embarrassed of saying something wrong or like making a mistake, basically being made a fool of, and then just like, you know, being dragged on social media, like, oh, look at this guy. Uh, and then I realized, like, everything stays forever on the internet, but then, like, at the same time, everything stays forever on the internet. So, like, there's constantly new stuff being added. People will forget. And that's, like, really helped me just kind of be myself and find my own voice. Yeah. Because uh, I used to just, like, not say things or hold my tongue because I was, like, scared of being wrong or something. Yeah. And then after a while, it's like, Eh, you will be wrong, um, totally. but you'll also like you'll learn from it. You know, like don't. It's better to be you than it than is. to hold your tongue and be like everyone else. It is, man. I just did a video about this very topic. I said, really, stop overthinking, just post. You know, and yeah. it's like that that ideology. You know, the more you internalize something, you're gonna find reasons not to do it. Right. Instead, yeah. you just need to do it and be your whole authentic self. And first of all, if people like you, great. If they don't, who gives a shit? Like just yeah. keep posting, keep having fun with it. Even though it lives on the internet, it's like people think so much that people are gonna just Google your name all the time and look you up. Oh like yeah. It, it's not the case. Like it's just and frankly, people want authenticity. I mean, with the rise of TikTok and Instagram Reels and you know, all this kind of more real-time video content, people are, are really striving for that realness versus like, hey, I see another ad, I see this. Yeah. They want to really see the person behind the brand. They want to know the story. People are so much more intelligent around making decisions and buying decisions, right? So people are, agreed. you know, looking at every back of every, you know, product. It's like, hey, what are the ingredients? It's the same with, you know, a service or a product. Like people want to know yeah. the story. I think there's so much to unpack. There. I mean, total, like you see it with something like Twitch where it's like these streamers are going on for six to eight hours in a row 
Like you can't, I, I would be very surprised if someone could keep up a character for that long, <laughs> for that amount of time, like day yeah. in, day out. Yeah. I, I just, I don't see like yeah. people, it's wild. You know, if you say five, 10 years ago, like, I mean, I grew up, I really liked um, watching like YouTube Call of Duty videos. I loved Call of Duty. Yeah. And I would love like the montage and everything. Uh, and then if you would have told me back then, like what, 2012 or something, there's going to be this streaming site like YouTube, but it's live all the time and it's just watching other people play video games. I'd be like, that's ridiculous. And now you see how absolutely massive it is. And it's like, I believe it's because people want to it's almost like they're in the room with that person and just like, like experiencing. Yeah. Experiencing with them. It's yeah. It's pretty crazy. Things like TikTok too. If you would have told me that was a thing, like even five years ago, I would have been yeah. like, what? I know people are done with the filters. People are done with yeah. the fake. People really want the story. They, like you said, they want to feel like they're in the room with you. They want to feel like you're talking to them through the screen, which is easier said than done. Um, but like you said, mm-hmm. You know, people are are not going to put on some facade for six to eight hours. Like they want to bring you into their space, you know, and and that's why Twitch has been so successful yeah. is because people enjoy being a part of that, right? And especially gamers, and yeah. you know that whole community is just absolutely blown up. But yeah, no, I I'm with you, man. Yeah, it does. It takes a while to find your voice. That's it, it which is a weird thing to think about because it's like your voice, but at the same time, that's. It does. It takes a sec. Like, yeah. can confirm <laughs> doing this for like a year every week straight, yeah. and like to get comfortable in it is something else. Because then again, you are aware of like I'm being recorded. Totally. But I'm curious, what are your thoughts on the whole like TikTok and the battles it's having in Congress right now? The government, maybe it's being uh, banned. Like, what it, I I imagine that would be a really big impact on your business. Like, what are your thoughts, and what are you guys doing to take that into account? My take on the Twitter ban is probably different than most. I'm looking at it as a war between social media platforms. Mm. Um, you know, what's not being talked about in the public space, aside from the, you know, the legislation around it in different states, is, you know, a lot of this that TikTok is doing or is known for has already been done by Meta, has already been done by Google. They're not doing anything massively proprietary. Yeah. They're just building a political agenda around it. And again, that's that's my my take on it. Um, you know, I think you've got big players like Meta, like Google, that are feeling yeah. a bit threatened because TikTok was one of the most downloaded apps in the last couple of years. People are attracted to that style of content being delivered, you know, almost you know, in real time, people are liking, you know, there's more influencers now because of that platform. There's more brands that are getting recognized because of that platform. There's more advertising dollars going to that platform. So there's, I think, a, a very real threat to some of yeah. these your players in the social space. And I'm just seeing this as kind of a, a way to, you know, move them out, you know, but I really don't see um, the... Uh, threat that I think a lot of people are are envisioning of this, you know, privacy and, and, you know, China's involvement, which obviously it is a Chinese company, but there's also an American subsidiary. So it's just this, you know, I think a lot of things that are being brought up that frankly are, are unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I guess I, I would like to do more research and look into it more. 
um, only because I have a cybersecurity background. So like I okay. I am a, like that's the thing is I haven't looked into exactly what TikTok's doing, like what what part of the data you know goes to China versus the American subsidiary. I didn't even know they yeah. had an American subsidiary. Yeah. Um, I do know from like a data collection standpoint, they do collect a lot of like a lot of data that the app necessarily doesn't need, and that's causing a lot of red flags. Is they're saying like, why do you need to access these certain things, um, and things like that? But that being said, I imagine to your point, like Meta and Google are collecting the same amounts of like unnecessary data just to have it, and um, well, uh, to have it is a strat. Like they do, they do stuff with it. I don't know. I'm not that serious into it, but <laughs> it's like it's it, it does make me wonder. Like, is it because it's a Chinese run company? Like, is that where the fear is coming from? Because like we have home companies doing the same mm-hmm. type of collection. Uh, but I think another scary part is how good their algorithm is at serving you content. Like that is undeniably their short form algorithm is better than anything we've come up with, which is why it's so popular. And dude, I'm, I'm, I fell victim. I'll admit the last time I had TikTok on my phone, I remember waking up a Saturday morning that my mistake. The first thing I did was went on TikTok two hours go by. Hole, yeah. <laughs> yeah, two hours go by. And I was like, dude, what? Like it's, yeah. You're telling me it's late, and yeah. and that's no, the, the last that's time. But yeah, um, but yeah, I think the algorithms really like what another thing that it's like they they we don't know what it is, but like they yeah. they cracked a code right there. No, I mean you're hundred percent right. Like the for you page was a big differentiator for them. Yeah, um, and clearly people like yourself fell victim to that. You know, the TikTok <laughs> black I can't be the only like, one. Oh my god, this is a content that served me. Um, so yeah, I, I see that side of it too. And it's interesting from a cybersecurity background. I mean, obviously that's not my background, but hearing it from that angle, you know, it's so true. You, you wonder at what level some of this data is being used. And, you know, as a marketer, we only know so much as well. Yeah. Fortunately we have, you know, corporate partnerships with a lot of these bigger social media companies so we can get some insight, but you know, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting for sure. And whereas a lot of people think uh, the data is going to somewhere scary, dude, I really think that a lot of this data just gets used back into marketing. Like that's the purpose of collecting it is to sell stuff uh, and to like develop better, stronger, much smarter, going back to the algorithm, like customer profiles Mm. and like ways of analyzing how a customer thinks, getting into their psychology and like selling to them. Uh, which does get me to hundred percent. I just want to in there because that is you are that to a T. One of the biggest things that happened over the last couple of years was the iOS update, which basically blocked a lot of the ability of channels like Meta to target efficiently. So what's happening, and you're hundred percent accurate, that channels like TikTok are trying to have the upper edge, which is how efficient can we make advertising to where yeah. I was a brand and I wanted to reach my ideal customer? Can I do that through TikTok? And the answer right now is yes, because they do have so much data where they're able to combat the iOS updates that yeah. in a couple of wow. years. Wow. Interesting. Now, that that's a perfect segue into a point that I wanted to ask. So something I've been struggling with recently, personally, is that honing in on a specific customer and like 
how going from idea to like niching down mm -hmm. what kind of things do you run or like practices do you do with your clients and like how do you zero in on a target customer because i imagine that's like the one of the first steps and first things you do 100 percent. so how we look at customer segmentation is identifying first and foremost who are your competitors who is your ideal audience breaking that down generally and then also getting really really granular with it based on what's their lifestyle what does their day-to-day -day look like you know what type of other type of purchases maybe have they done in the last 30 60 90 days so getting really clear on their consumer behavior is really important once you've created that persona which we're talking about now you can then start running ads towards that targeted audience. There's a few ways to do it. One that I think is really tried and true is building up an email list. Hmm. And that email list can come through a podcast, right? Where to enter, you know, you've got to give your email uh, and you can do it in a way that's not spammy, right? If you're providing yeah. really good value, it actually should be really easy to collect an email because somebody wants to give it to you because they they enjoy the content yeah. or they- I've been on both product. ends. You've been on both ends. what you mean, yeah. Reset. But then you can take that list. So let's say, you know, you're somebody that has a 100,000 person list and these are people that are diehard, cult following types. You can then upload that list into Facebook, into TikTok and advertise in a retargeting manner to those folks. Your yeah. product, you know, those are going to be the people that are probably going to buy first. Then you can take it a step further and you can build what's called a lookalike audience off of that, which TikTok is doing at a certain level as well, where they'll digest that list, find others that fit that similar. Interesting. Wow. Okay. So you can really cast a much larger net yeah. and see some better results. So that's what I would recommend, you know, is try to build you know, lifetime value out of your listeners, your customers, um, you know, that's the most important thing because those are the people that you can use as really the baseline to build upon. Interesting. And so that like you mentioned like Facebook ads, um, TikTok and things like that. I'm curious, like in your professional experience right now, because I know it's constantly changing. What are what's like the top three like places you go to put ads out? Yeah, great question. Right now, um, I would say TikTok is definitely up there, particularly for top of funnel. So hmm. if you're a, a brand that has, you know, products or services, like the, the gamut in terms of type of industries that are on TikTok are so expansive because you have like an accounting firm that's really well on TikTok yeah. and then you have like a really sexy, you know, retail product. It's just, it's such a large gamut. It's because people are on that platform for education, right? Things that I maybe didn't know about taxes. I may go to TikTok and find that information there. Yeah. While also finding a product that I really like, like this shirt, for example, right? Yeah. Oh, that's example, from TikTok? No, I was just throwing that <laughs> okay. out as, a, as an example. I was like, damn, <laughs> you're about to make, me, about to make me download the app again. <laughs> Got to find some <laughs> stuff like that. So, you know, it's just, again, like, I would say TikTok is great for just driving eyeballs at a very low mm. cost. You know, so we look at, you know, cost per impressions, probably yeah. the lowest on TikTok. So you can get the biggest bank for your buck in terms of getting eyeballs on your website, on your content, on your content. Now, 
that's probably first for top of funnel. I would say meta is still good if you've built a foundation there, because obviously those ads run on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. So, you know, being able to tap into that, I would say if you're starting fresh on Facebook, you're going to have an uphill battle unless you have a lot of budget to put towards those ads. Um, and then a platform that I really like if you're a thought leader is LinkedIn has the highest organic reach out of any platform right now. So if you're yeah. active and you're a thought leader and you're sharing, in my case, like marketing tips or you know, facts about entrepreneurship and, you know, different methodologies, like people are going to gravitate towards that. And you can really see pretty big impact yeah. organically without even having to run ads. I see 100% that growth on LinkedIn. I So there was a stat, I believe this was a 2021 stat or 2022, but it was like of the 100 million people on LinkedIn or so, could be butchering the stat, but like, for example, of the 100 million people on LinkedIn, it was like 2 million people are actually posting content. Like it was the most, it was definitely less than 5% of users are yeah, posting. Sounds right. So it was like, the most content deficient platform, like had the highest need for content. And because of that, like if you consistently posted, it would just like the, it would pick up steam. Like as long as you did the, you know, the right things, you had a good hook, you provided value. Um, but you, you could, you could really grow a LinkedIn in like in three months, dude, in one month, oh. I, I, I did a challenge with a friend to write every day for a month. And Smart. I was I was like blown away how much you could get a post going in that short yeah. Of time. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and I think that stat is pretty close. I think that sounds about right. You know, LinkedIn used to be really boring, and you know, it was constantly okay, cool. Yeah, that's about you know, work like great promotion, buddy. <laughs> great promotion. It's like that's awesome. You celebrated your two year anniversary. Great. <laughs> you know. But now it's more so you're starting to see video content, you know, yeah. infiltrate that platform. So you're, you know, I, I would say if you're a C-level executive, you know, you're a thought leader, you're a coach, you're a podcaster, that is such a great platform for spreading knowledge, you know, connecting with, you know, other like-minded entrepreneurs. It's just a, it's a good platform and you don't need to spend advertising dollars, which is if you can mm. do that, that's great. So I love that the challenge that you did with your friend. It's like if you can continually post on that channel, yeah, you're casting a much larger net. It worked really well. What I think worked well with the challenge is he was like he was like, "All right, let's like we got to have some sort of accountability, like let's put something up. Like how much would you be okay um like giving up? Like what would you pay?" And I was like, "I don't know, dude. Like if I don't do it, like 50 bucks." He's like, "All right, $500." And I was like, oh, okay. And he was like, all right. So if either you or I don't post on LinkedIn for 30 days, we both lose. So we both have to give $500 to a charity that we don't agree with. And I was like, dude, this is so clever in so many different so ways. Like, number one, we both have to do it. So I, I would have been pissed if he didn't. But like, number two, it's like, Oh, I'm giving to charity, but like, I don't like what I'm giving oh, towards, you know? <laughs> so, oh, good. It was one of the best, like, account. I'm telling yeah. you, didn't skip a day. <laughs> didn't skip a that day. That is honestly, like, the best thing I've ever heard. I am stealing that 100%. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that is so great. Um, Okay, but you, also you mentioned, so this is 
also I'm curious. So you said if you're going into meta now, it's going to take a little more investment versus if you were already on there. What what exactly does that mean and why is that? Yeah, so we're seeing brands pre-iOS update. So I keep using this term as the iOS update because yeah. in the marketing advertising space, that was like the, you know, the 2008 crash, you know, it yeah. was like, yeah, that's it was, funny in the, the data privacy space. They were like about time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it depends which industry yeah. you're in. on the marketing advertising angle was like, oh shit, what yeah, are we crushing next? So, you know, pre iOS update brands that were running ads, that data still lives in their account that they can tap into. Right. So whether it's an email list, lookalike audiences, yeah. some things are a bit more limited, but you have the, those learnings to be able to tap into. When you're starting fresh, you have new targeting metrics, right? You don't have yeah. the ones that were existing pre-iOS update. So it just makes it, I wouldn't say more challenging. It just, there's going to be a longer ramp up, right? So typically pre-iOS, we could say, if you're spending $10,000 in the first 30 days, you're going to start seeing some really great momentum, whether it's through sales, leads, overall exposure. Now yeah. that ramp up is probably more like 90 days to even close to six months um, to really wow. start to see traction. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and then before we get into to habits, I, I do want to ask, I saw you've done digital marketing for some really crazy customers like Nike, Airbnb, Orange Theory. Uh, kind of how, how was that? Like, how did you end up getting these big player customers? And like, what was that process like? How was it working with them, uh, et cetera? Like, what are your thoughts? A lot of knocking on doors from a digital standpoint and actually knocking on doors in the physical sense. So the very first client actually was the San Diego Chargers when I was in San Diego. I was nice. Like, I'm actually my... in San Diego. That's, uh, that's Love San course, Diego, so. man. Love San Diego. I Chargers like... left us, but it's okay. I know. I know. It was a bummer. I was, I was actually really bummed to see that, but it's all good. I'm still a, still a Chargers fan. Um, so... You know, I just, I was like, who's the biggest client that I could get in San Diego at the time? And so to me, it was like naturally San Diego Chargers. Yeah. I went into their office probably every week. Started to get to the point where I would bring like bottles of wine to try to schmooze and get in, you know, just very like old school, like marketing and sales yeah. tactics. And finally got a meeting, you know, with their marketing team. And pitch them, you know, full rollout of social and content and even an update to their ticketing app. Um, and they bit the bait and it, it turned out to be a great partnership. Uh, we fulfilled on kind of the promise that we had to them. And that kind of led to realizing that we can get in front of some of these bigger brands because there definitely are some needs that maybe they didn't think they, you know, needed, right? That yeah. we just uncover through conversation. And so, you know, the next was Airbnb, and that was when they were launching their experiences, part of their um, their app. So they obviously have, you know, you can go rent. Now they have um, experiences where you can yeah. go take a surf lesson or you can, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. And so we were a part of that launch where we did ads on social, we created content. Um, and that was just a really cool experience because you're working with a brand that is so established but you recognize that they still have needs. They still have areas of opportunity that they're looking to tap into. And so it's been really exciting, again, to see the growth of 
even bigger platform companies. And then also working with startups that, you know, may have raised a ton of capital and they're like, what do we do with it? And that's where we can come in and get creative and say, hey, you know what, if we put X amount of dollars into this, this is the type of return we'll see. And so it's just been fun to, you know, work with clients ranging from, you know, the Airbnbs of the world to startups. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's really interesting. So, I mean, knocking on a lot of doors, when you were like coming into this world, or I guess the Chargers, when you were coming, like going to someone like the Chargers, did you have their plan already in place? Or were you just like, this is a Hail Mary, hopefully they catch <laughs> it? That's a that's also a good football term to throw in there. Too. It was uh, it was a hail mary for sure. I mean, I didn't know shit. I was like, you know, sometimes you know the fake it till you make it thing is actually yeah. very real, especially when you're at that stage and you have zero credibility in the space. It's like you've got to kind of roll with the punches a little bit and kind of finagle your way through it. And I would definitely say that was the case with them. I think through conversations though, and this is just great advice for anybody starting a new business is listen before you talk, right? So ask the right questions. Like one of the best things I did in, in that meeting was ask the right questions. You know, where are the pain points? Where do you feel things could be better, right? And so through that, you know, I'm taking notes and I'm learning, okay, their ticketing app isn't where it needs to be. Their social content isn't where it needs to be. So immediately I go, okay, now I have an action plan. I go back to my small studio apartment across from Petco Park. I'm in there drafting up a proposal. I don't know why I did this. Drafting up a <laughs> And, uh, you know, turned around something that fit their needs just simply because I listened, right? Yeah. Versus being in there and saying, I've got all this knowledge. Let me tell you what I think you need versus let me sit back listen, take it in, and then come back with a game plan that's more tailored to what they need. So it was like, rather than just pitching at them, it was kind of collaborating with them on the, like they were just as much a part of what you were doing as, like you didn't just bring them your solution. You kind of like made it what they wanted, what their answer yeah. was. I think it was like a courtesy. I think they're like, this guy keeps coming in here every day. Like, yeah. We just give this guy a meeting and see what he, you know, is yeah. trying to just here. And so it was very, it was a cold environment. It wasn't like walking into like, yeah. oh, like, yeah. Like, yeah. It was like, what are you trying to sell? It was us? like, all right, stop with the wine. Let's yeah, just get we, this over with. We get it. It's still collecting dust on our shelf, but thanks anyway. Um, so no, it was just, you know, it was a cold environment. I had to really dig deeper. I had to get to the pain points. And through that, trust was built because I came back with a plan, found a way to execute it. And immediately it was like, okay, this guy can do what he says he's going to do. And I think that's the best thing also with, with starting a business. If you can build trust and you can build a foundation, you know, credibility just through the fact that you're going to deliver. Yeah. Until it, it speaks volumes and that word gets out much faster than if I was to come in and I just flopped. Yeah. Like if I flopped, it would have been like, hey, this guy didn't follow through with what he said he's going to do and just didn't work. So I always recommend to entrepreneurs to just like say what you're going to do, do it, you know, provide great results. And that's just a great domino effect into yeah. you know, building, building more of a foundation. I imagine that builds a lot of trust with yourself as well. Like a lot of times it's having this 
intense amount of self-belief, but there mm-hmm. does come a point where that self-belief is not necessarily put to the test, but like your word is put to the test. Like what yeah. you say you can do is put to the test. And that's, it sounds like you, you lived up to your own moment and then you were like, all right, let's, let's start taking down bigger fish. Well, I would, yeah, I would throw it back to you too. Like with your podcast, it's like, you take that leap of faith and then you prove yourself right. And yeah. you're like, oh shit, this works, you know? And that's like great motivation to keep going. Yeah. I mean, that's how I think of the first few episodes. I remember feeling like, oh, I have to have a theme song. I have to have a website. I didn't have like anything. I really just had like this mic, which uh, my brother gave me. It wasn't even like my mic. He just, he he had an extra. And yeah. I, I talked to one of my like really good friends who's doing well, has his own company. I was like, dude, can I interview you like for my podcast? And he was like, of course. And right off the bat, I got the feel that it was more, I was going to have more success on like conversational based talking to people than if I was just asking questions. And I like to think that that happened, like I would have just come to that early on or anyway, but I really do think like having my first conversation with a friend and people telling me like, I think I called him a bitch at one point and my friend is like, (laughs) like someone else listening was like, did you forget you were recording? And I was like. Ah, not really. I was just he, yeah. He, real, he just said yeah. something, and, and I was, but it did make me realize like the conversational casual feel is what I was oh. going after, and you just kind of have to like do it rather than me sitting and being like, let me get all these questions. Let me oh, I have to have a theme song first. Like I have to do no. The, yeah. I'll admit my first few episodes didn't master them. I was doing it in a wooden room, so it was like very echoey. But yeah, they, these are lessons you learn by executing, not by absolutely bro like i couldn't agree more with what you're saying you've got to build the plane while you're flying it like yeah you know like you're not gonna sometimes have everything together right from the get-go and i have to say i've been on some fringy podcasts this is very conversational and i can appreciate it because you see those podcasts too where it's like oh my god these questions are like just so redundant they're boring they don't really move the needle for the listener yeah. so i think just having natural conversations and, and you clearly do it really well so i appreciate that i mean that's the going back to what we both like is talking to people like that's why i do it i really do like talking to people and just having conversations and this is like i do this type of stuff on the street or i remember i was i was on my way to a padres game like earlier this yeah. month and i was just like talking to the dude on the on the subway or not, not subway whatever like our public transport to get to the the trolley and I've been on it yeah. and i was just thinking like oh yeah i do this <laughs> it's not just i don't just record for podcasts like this is how i talk in general um i just realized like i've had so many cool conversations that i wish were recorded might as well oh, start recording. Oh, no. those are the best. Yeah. Right? Like you're in a conversation, but then you're like, oh, I wish this was recorded. Oh, it gets worse when you're podcasting because now I'm like, sometimes yeah. I do want to like, wait, let me get this on voice memo. Cause like <laughs> in my head, you can relate in my head. I'm like, this is content where like I need yeah. content. Can you just repeat exactly what you just <laughs> said? Please? Like, yeah, yeah, I've been there. You should do a, you should do episodes on the street. Like just do like a, you the audio bits you could get from just ran, like it's it's great dude like we, like we just did it for a client and we went to a mall and we were just like the whole campaign was like just good energy like just trying yeah. to ask questions that evoked you know like self-love and yeah things like that and you know the 
audio bits you get from people just like kind of taken back that they're first of all going to be on camera and but they say some pretty amazing things and that you may yeah. not expect. and it, it just creates some you know good dialogue and i think also very entertaining for you know the end viewer so and here's the beauty in something like that is there's nothing more compelling like even for a brand or, or movie tv show anything there's nothing more compelling than like a a genuine smile like you can't yeah. fake the the happiness inside your voice when you're actually like feeling grateful or self-love for something uh and that kind of stuff only really happens in the wild like i mean you, uh, again really good actors they can they can do that as well but it's like a lot harder than we think it is so i i really feel like that the the great thing about that campaign is you're almost capturing moments and feelings that hardly get genuinely captured on camera yeah hundred percent. And you also don't realize like why somebody's there in that very moment. Hmm. Like, you know, the mall situation, there was like a full like cheerleading group that just got done, you know, at a game. Right. Yeah. And it's like, they were just at the mall getting food, shopping, you know, conversing. And then all of a sudden now they're on, you know, on camera doing content and being asked questions, you know, about themselves. Yeah. And so it creates some vulnerability. That's also, kind of unique as well and when the comfort levels there too and like you said you have genuine interaction smiles are coming out you just it's it's magic it's it's yeah good. can you share what brand that was is the campaign absolutely out yet? yeah yeah meaty is the brand they are a plant-based meat that has come out and they're really a cool brand and it's not just like gimmicky it's very much true you know, to the product and true to the people that are behind the product. So it's M-E-A-T-I. And they're on TikTok. So all the content that you see there, we produce. Nice. I come up with the concepts. And and so you'll probably see actually uh, that video piece that I'm talking about um, on that channel. Sweet. Yeah. And I can throw some some links, like whatever links you want me to share of your work, I can put them in the show notes. Uh, we sure. can talk after. Awesome. But uh, yeah, to switch it up. Um, what do you, what's like a day in your life look like, Alex? Like, what is your, do you have a routine? Do you just, I, I mean, we were talking about the show. You do like to plan out your day. I know some people who just wake up and just free ball life. I don't know how, but I, I gotta have, I gotta know what I'm doing that day. But yeah, what, what does a day look like for you? So the night before I'm usually, you know, taking a look at what my deck next day looks like just to make sure, you know, I have, I'm in that proper headspace, right? Yeah. Like yesterday I was like, oh yeah, I've got a couple podcasts I'm doing. So just, you know, got to be prepared for that. It's a different, you know, mindset than, you know, running a business, you yeah, know, so you've got to kind of, you know, bounce back and forth. I would say, you know, naturally, you know, my day is long. It starts early, it ends late. I think many entrepreneurs, you know, know what Relatable. that is. Yeah. You know, it's, I kind of have two full work days. I have my day that starts at 6 a.m. You know, getting up. I usually am on my phone, which is a bad habit, but it's just to kind of see what's going on in the world. Yeah. Connect, you know, see what my day is going to look like. And then, you know, I get up, have my coffee. I always try to get outside. And just, you know, I know it sounds cliche, but just like look up at the sun, just kind of let, you know, get that vitamin D in you. Yeah. Get revitalized for the day. A lot and easier then, in the summer know, now. A lot easier in the summer. I'm also in Portland. So, yeah. you know, usually <laughs> you're walking out. you look up in the, the rain. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, 
So depends where you're at, but yeah. I always try to, you know, do something like that. You know, and if, you know, also I love sauna and cold plunge. I, nice. I do a lot of that now and it's kind of like, you know, helps reinvigorate, you know, uh, me and, and it's also just, I feel very healthy afterwards uh, along with working out, but I'll backtrack. So start the morning, you know, usually I'm working from 6 a.m. to, you know, 5 p.m. I take a break, usually go walk my dog again, try to be outside, go work out, sauna, cold plunge, whatever it is. And then I take probably a couple hour break and then I'm starting right back up usually at 8 p.m. to like midnight. Um, and that's usually uninterrupted work that I can just kind of get, you know, done without anybody yeah. bothering me. And, you know, again, when you're running in a business, especially one that's growing at the level we are, it, it requires a lot of time, you know, and it's, I think a lot of people think being a business owner, you know, is, is glamorous and, you know, you're, once you reach a certain point, you're just like sipping, you know, Mai Tais on the beach. It's just not yeah. the case at all. I mean, it's a, it's a grind, but it's, uh, it's rewarding. So that's kind of the, I would say day in the life on the weekends. I love to get outside i told you kind of before we jumped on this call i love music yeah so if you were to walk into you know the front door you'll see an old vintage piano you'll see guitars nice. you'll see ukuleles you'll see bass guitar which i know you play which i'm yeah. excited more about that Got a drum set in the garage oh, i mean dude, it's i want time. a drum set i yeah yeah and it's so that's that keeps the soul fueled for yeah sure. oh definitely um, yeah, well, one more question, because I do like asking guests this one for habits, and then we'll get right. I'm just eager to get into the music part, if you can't tell. Yeah, let's do it. Um, okay, so in, in your life, in the habits that you've built, what kind of habits have you had to remove so that you feel like that leads towards your success? Like, what have you taken away? Great question. I've always been a yes man. Mm. You know, so when you say yes to everything it actually creates way more stress than necessary, Yeah. right? If you're saying yes to mundane, you know, tedious tasks that really don't serve you, right? and when I say serve you, I mean like, what's your superpower? You've got to ask yourself that question. Like, where does your time need to be spent to provide the most value to the world, to your team, to your loved ones? That's where you want to hone your energy. I for a long time said yes to everything, even though it was things that I know I a, couldn't do well. Mm. Right? So that's just frustrating in itself. Yeah. I shouldn't be doing administrative tasks that just don't fuel me or frankly that are good for the company or good for you know people around me. Yeah. So once I shifted that habit from saying yes to everything to being more selective, my life has changed entirely. And Again, still challenging, right? Because I naturally am that person. I want to always serve. I want to always help. But the reality is you you have to be protective of your time, especially as you start to get more and more busy. Yeah, I totally agree. That's something um that's something that I struggle with and something I'm still learning today. Uh, because there's a balance. Like for mm -hmm. something that I do is like I from from an adventure standpoint, I try to say yes to as many like fun new things that show up on yeah. my plate because I think you that's should. I think that's a really good way of figuring out what you like and don't like. At the same time, 
saying yes to everything also leads to that extra stress. Maybe it's plans, maybe it's like a, a trip, or maybe it's work or like projects, little things like that. After a while, too much yes uh, starts to just pile on and on. So I, I, I feel you on the fact that like I want to say yes to things that will bring me energy and things that I'm unsure of whether or not they'll bring me energy. Like sometimes I say yes to those because I want to find out for myself. But learning wow. to say no to a bunch of other things just so that like you, you said, uh, yes, man, for me, it's a people pleaser. Like I just want to be liked most of the time. So yep. say, like trying to know the difference of like, who yep. cares if they like me? I can't do this right now. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> that's been my thing. I are very, very similar yeah. <laughs> in that. And I, I can already tell, like, we're, I mean, why else do we get into media and podcasting? Totally, man. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So I, I have to say one thing that you mentioned that I loved is, you always say yes to adventures. I do as well, because you know, when I say be selective, I mean saying no to the things so you can get time back in your day to do those yes. things that yeah. you want yeah. to or you want to try. So I'm talking more so like on the business front. Yeah. But what I can say is like adventures, man, like that is the best thing you can do is travel, experience new things, try new foods, meet new people. Like that is that builds your worldview, yeah. right? That that changes who you are as a person, right? Some of the best trips I've gone on, you know, I've taken so much away from that. Experiences to me sometimes surpass any education you can get from a textbook. Like Agreed. it's, you know, you got to go out and experience it. So I love that you said that you say yes to adventures and then, you know, trying to work towards saying no to, you know, things that, you know, don't serve you, yeah. right? And so I, I'm with you, man. I get it. And uh, so now, okay, on to the music. You yes. you write music as well. How long have you been writing music? Whew. Uh, probably since I was eight, maybe 10 years old. Okay. My uh, grandpa had a guitar up in his attic, and I was like, hey, can we, can we go get that? I want to try to teach myself. And so I remember for one whole summer, I did not put that thing down. Like I taught myself every single song. Still, till this day, don't know how to read music. I, you could turn <laughs> on sick. any song and I can play it. Like, I can just pick you do it, it by up. by ear, just, yeah. By ear. But I can't, like, I failed music theory. Like, I, that was my my jam. Like, yeah. I hate music was, like, mathematical and science. I wanted to just feel it. It really is. And, and that's, you know, that's what got me going. Um, but drums was actually the very first instrument I played. And that kind of got me going into guitar, but guitar has really stuck with me. Um, and then when I was in college, I was actually, you know, touring and and um, created like this this duo. I was a singer, this other guy was a rapper, and we just would like play a bunch of shows. We played with Mac Miller. No way, that's sick. Workers. Yeah, I mean, it was really, really a great experience. And then after college, I actually was signed by a record label to songwrite. Um, and, you know, wrote some cool songs and, and had some fun with it, but it's definitely music to me is something that, you know, you'll see me, you know, talk about daily routines, usually around lunch. I'm like breaking away for like 30 minutes and just jamming out. Dude, I can really relate. It sounds like music to you is that like creative break and like your inspiration and in what you do. But at the same time, it's like you, you still have your job and like the things that you want to accomplish. I yep. I feel that um for me like I 
I don't really know theory or notes. I want to know at least like the the first five notes on each fret for the bass, just because apparently that's I've been told that's really helpful. Um, <laughs> but I even I was telling my band um, and my brothers, I was like, I don't practice as much knowing the notes. Like I'll I'll ask my guitarist constantly. I was like, uh, is that three or four on the the second? You know, what fret is that on? <laughs> But I do a lot of rhythm exercises just because that's my favorite part about bass is like I got into it because I love funk. I love like I've always just had the soul of like keeping a beat and being able to like come up with really cool rhythms. Sometimes like knowing when to pause, knowing when to continue. So like I do a lot of rhythm practice and it's just for me, it's always been like I care more about being in the pocket than getting the like notes and everything down. So that's yeah. just like the type of bass player I am. I figured out that's I what it. I have fun and that's what I like to do. You're dancing on the bass, man. Exactly, funk, dude. You're like just just jamming your, what is it, where you just like your... Oh, slap and pop, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Slapping, I mean, yeah, funk is, I mean, that's was built, I mean, built around bass. Yeah. You know? That's so cool, man. I love that. And you were mentioning, and I don't know if you want to bring this up on the podcast, but it sounds like you're you're writing a song, maybe the first yes. one for your yeah, or something. Yeah. Yeah, so I have been writing a song. Um, Yeah, no, my band, I really like how we all just, like, bring stuff to the table and everyone just kind of helps out. We have one member who she's, like, really good at composing music, so she'll, like, help with the structure. Uh, Our lead singer is usually down to sing whatever, as long as we don't bring her, like, like metal or anything, but we've tried, we've tried. Uh, but, But, like, it's, yeah, no, everyone has their parts. Like, we all have our strengths and we all... I really like how collaborative this band is. Like it really is like a team where we've had our ups and downs. And during the downs, I was genuinely shocked at how well we communicated about them and got through it. And that's when I was like, this is sweet. I like these people. Like, let's make some music. But yeah, making a song. man. Yeah. That's um, awesome. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I'm excited. You're going to have to, if you record it, share with me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's listen. that's sweet that you were a, a songwriter at a record label is that something is that a path that you saw for yourself or did that just kind of happen it definitely was yeah i mean you know i've always loved music i'm always always been an entertainer like even when i was younger yeah. it was like you know my parents would have you know their friends over for a party and i would like go print out tickets to my show and like the you know in the living room i was like hey i'm doing a magic show i'm doing like this <laughs> One writing thing, like, awesome. I just always loved entertaining. Yeah. And I think it was my dad got me like this microphone when I was little. I don't, I think I just carried it around everywhere. Um, that's hilarious. But I, yeah, I, I love, I, I've always loved music, always loved entertaining. Um, you know, I think, you know, with music though, it's like you have to, you reach that point, which was really difficult for me, honestly. And I know we only got a few minutes here, but like, you know, we hit this point of like, okay we've almost hit a ceiling of like, you know, I've got to decide like, I'm going to go to like making money. Yeah. <laughs> just gonna yeah. That keep makes riding sense. this wave and kind of going like this. And I think you know, even though it was really fun, I think, you know, I've naturally talented. There's so many talented musicians. No, I, I totally agree. And it's, but it, you know, it's something though that like, I always talk about things that stick with you forever. That is definitely one. And, you know, you could do that for as long as you live. I I agree. For me, the two is that and chess. I feel like those will always, in okay. some form, just like be there for me. Um, yeah. Whether or not I consider myself good is a different story, but I, the enjoyment is what matters. 
And yeah. my origin story, I think what it was is um, my dad always had a camcorder and he would like record all of us. There's tons of videos of us as babies. But I feel like me growing up with the camera always in my face was just like, I was born for it, man. Used to it, yeah. Natural born. Uh, so last question, and then we have like really quick closing questions. Um, those cool. are more rapid fire. But you mentioned you have a pig, a pet pig. I do. How, how did that, what, how? Yeah, it's random as shit. Yeah, I know. Um, I was living in LA. So I, I'm naturally like, I'm an animal lover. I, I love yeah. animals, yeah. always have. Um, you probably hear, see my dog maybe walk around the back, but I'm living in downtown LA and out of all places, this couple was walking like something in their hand. And I was like, what is that? Walked over to them. And it was a pig. It was like this little pig. And I was like, oh, my God, that's crazy. I was like, can I say hi? Like, yeah. Random. Um, and started talking to them, as I'm sure you would. You know, you're just asking questions. And they're like, yeah, we're actually getting rid of Like, we're going to take it to the pound. Like, it's not working for us. I'm like, clearly, you're in downtown L.A. Like, this is <laughs> a pig. Like, probably should live on some land or something. Um, and I was like, in my head, I'm going, well, if it's taken to the pound, like, probably not going to end up well for this little thing. Yeah. So I just was like, Hey, you know what? Why don't I do this? If the pig gets along with my dog. Then I will take the pig off your hands and I'll find it at home. And that's just, you know, naturally I was like, I'll see if I can help. Right. Yeah. And so, like, okay, deal. So next day brought my dog, the pig met, they got along. So I ended up with a pig that day and I was living myself in a high rise in downtown LA with the little pig. Yeah. Not not smart, not smart. But, you know, I knew that my wife and I, at the time she was my girlfriend, that we we're going to move back up to Portland, Oregon. Um, it's where I'm from. And so we bringing her and my dog up here. We bought a house with a lot of, you know, yard space. Yeah. And now she's living out her, her life. So she's uh, that's awesome. Rescue. Yeah. Rescue pig. She's the she, she, not something you hear every day, but she's. She's become like the mascot yeah. of the company, which is pretty hilarious. Oh, that's sick. <laughs> and uh, I, I know it's 11. Do you have like five minutes or are you, you got a hard time? Yeah, let's, let's do it. I just want to, let me take a quick look. I'm, I hate to do this on. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we have until 11, 15. I'll get... Okay. Closing questions. What kind of music do you listen to? Ooh, everything. I, I'm like truly everything, like everything from reggae to metal to pop to R&B, funk. Like I love all. Do you all listen? Music. Do you listen to country? I actually do. I used to hate country. That's what I, anyone who says everything, they're usually like except country, except country. <laughs> I there's some country like I don't like the, the like the pop country. I like more kind of like the roots yeah. country. Um, you know, so I'll listen to that every once in a while. Banjo is one of my favorite instruments. I've I've Dude, not I love band. super I mean same pop country is not really my thing, but I definitely like bluegrass. I've always yes. especially like OG seventies, eighties bluegrass, couldn't tell you song names, but like sometimes I'll just throw on a playlist. Like sounds good. I'm with you, man. I love it. Um, yeah, there's kind of that good crossover yeah. with country and, and bluegrass for sure. What uh so what movies or TV shows have you watched recently that you would recommend? Oof. Uh TV shows, I mean, this one's kind of like TV shows are coming and going so fast, but like I liked uh, White Lotus. White Lotus. Was, yeah. Heard good. That things. was entertaining. Um, yeah. I'm not like, 
not huge up on on that on TV shows. Like I just don't have the time as much. But when I do, yeah, yeah, that was one that I thought was was entertaining. What was the other question? Movies or TV shows? Movies, yeah, I'm same type of deal. Like I feel that I like a lot of the classics with movies. Like I'll, you know, usually go back to like the the core group of them that I I watch. Sometimes I just turn something on while I'm doing work. But I I feel that as well. It's like a classics. I saw they just re- put um, The Dark Knight back on Netflix, and that's like one of my favorite movies. Classic, man. I've seen it so many times, and I saw it on Netflix. I was like, like this urge to watch it again. Like, a part of me yeah. was like, I could watch something new, but I was like, <laughs> yeah, I know. Heath Ledger is a yeah. legend. And uh, yeah, I was yeah. like, I know. All you of that movie, see- dude, like the, the sounds, the tone of it, like the everything. It was so well done, yeah. honestly. That now when I remember when it came out too, I was like, damn, that was so like looking at it from like a producer yeah. lens or director lens, I'm sure you look at it that way too. It's like, damn, that was that was great. Music, cinematography, the casting, like it was it was dialed. Dude, the first like to me, I, I think a lot about how something brings you in. Like that first scene alone. Oh that first like sets the tone for the entire movie that like this isn't just your yeah it's like this isn't just your your normal cartoon batman like this is going to be something serious uh but i also also liked the recent one on how it took like such a different take like it was more of a detective movie and how it was like yeah at its own version of a dark tone like it wasn't yeah it was just different like yeah i liked it I've heard, I've heard, I have not seen it yet, but like I've heard that exact same thing it was, from it multiple was good. people. I actually, so I, I, I think I've got, got to watch that one next. What, um, so what books are you reading right now, if any at all? You know, I always like say I'm going to read and I just never find the time to, I'm so bad at it, honestly. Like right now, you know, I like, usually it's things like, I'm actually like looking on my phone right now. It's usually audiobooks and it's usually something that is very like technical to like what we're doing, like how to become more profitable, like yeah. how to, you yeah, know, like that makes sense. things that are more like tailored towards business that I can actually like absorb and like, Im- you know, implement within the company. But honestly, couldn't tell you like the last full book I've read. Yeah. That's, uh, that happens. <laughs> what, um, where, where, and last question is where can people find you and your company? Yeah, so for the company, I would go to rossmanmedia.com. That's where you can find everything about the company, who we are, some of the services we offer, some of the clients and work that we've done. And then me personally, probably the best would be on social with um, my handle, Rossi Live, R-O-S-S-Y, Live. Rossi was my nickname through sports, through everything. So I just kind of taken it. So yeah, those would probably be the best two areas to go. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Alex. I, I learned a ton about me. marketing and uh, yeah, I had a great time talking to you. Likewise. Thank you.